so <laughs> is, is it just me or is the opening of this movie Jurassic Park but with ghosts? Hundred percent. Correct. Yes, it is. I did not think that till you said it. it but is 100%. yes, correct. Yes, shooter, shooter. It's so yeah. Woo. Clever ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This movie also has to do the same thing Jurassic Park does, which is have two openings, which I feel like this does fairly economically. Yeah, gets I'm, a lot of mileage out of its opening credits. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah. So, um, hello everybody. Welcome again to the Good Trash Undercast. We talk about the films you'll never discuss in film studies course, the spooky edition, because it's Shocktober 10. Thunder Crash, razor blades in your little candies. Woo! Ten years of October scary movies. That's us. Um, and so here we are. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. And I'm Dollywood Scares. Woo! <laughs> I'm Dalton. Hello. Hi, Dalton. That's very funny. Thank you. Um, and indeed, uh, the season of The Witch is upon us all, and we are going to be talking about the films you'll never discuss in Film Studies Course. In case you're tuning in for the very first time, though, dear listener, we want you to know there will be spoilers. Uh, we'll avoid them, though. I'll tell you which ghost kills Matthew Lillard. <laughs> I've forgotten all. Oh, no, I have forgotten. I'm not sure. I, I, oh, I think I know which one. I think I know which it's one. The <laughs> well, they're, 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 it's the Juggernaut. It is the Juggernaut, bitch. Yeah, it there's is. two of them there at that moment, right? Is that the right? bit? Is yes, that the gimmick? It is the gimmick, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, anyway. So, um, spoilers. We're not going to do that uh, until we do it. We've we've given you one for now, but you're right. Now we will put them in our little pockets. Yes, um, so we'll have synopsis, spoiler free, thumbs up, thumbs down, spoiler light, syllabus, Spoiler moderate, and then it's in the heavy, heavy sponsored territory. Spons- spoiler sponsors, whatever I'm trying to say. Spoiler territory. I don't know. Well, we're sponsored by spoilers, so that's the point of the show where we start this talking This show about brought them. to you by spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. It's what makes your food bad. It makes what people not like. It makes people not like you. It does, it does do that as well. Makes your car go fast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> or it increases your gas mileage. Yes. Who can be sure? Enhances wind resistance. Is it, it, yes. Or decreases. decreases wind resistance. Yes. To enhance wind resistance would be like a sail. <laughs> Which would raise your gas, gas bills. Again. Man, you guys don't want to talk about this movie, huh? <laughs> so with that, um, Arthur, delight us with a, uh, a spoiler. I mean, hey, I, I did that on purpose. I thought, I <laughs> thought that synopsis. one might have been deliberate. Yeah, let's talk about 13 Ghosts, shall we? Down on his luck, Arthur Criticos is fighting off debtors at every turn. <laughs> He and his children are struggling to make ends meet until one fantastical day when fate intervenes. Arthur's eccentric uncle has passed, and he's left his estate to Arthur. The family are elated as they move out to the mysterious manor, and once they arrive, they realize there's a catch. The home is a holding cell to twelve ghosts with evil on their mind. Will Arthur or one of his children become... Unlucky number 13. Thank you, Vincent Price, for that <laughs> wonderful synopsis. That's <laughs> very Vincent Price. Well done. Oh, my. All right. I got there. I got there in the 10 minutes from last week's you, episode. You, you, you were so able. Absolutely miraculous work. All he's done is talk and Vincent Price talk for the last 10 minutes, guys. Has been I've, 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 not uh, wrong. A little, peek, a little peek behind the curtain. Arthur gets done with his bathroom break and immediately goes, Dalton, is it just adult Stewie Griffin? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Yes, that's exactly, exactly what it is. Exactly what it <laughs> you is. You nailed it. You got it one, bud. <sighs> okay, so um, 
I did this more is, prep work for this episode than anybody did for this movie. Uh, correct. Um, Goo. Ooh. It's, uh, there's nothing more North America 2001 than the fact that uh, three Arab American actors play Greek. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucked up time. Um, question. Yeah. Who's seen it before besides me? I've never seen it. I had seen bits and pieces of it. Actually, well, no, I had seen the whole thing. Uh I've seen it several cable times. Cable or something whenever it first came out, yeah. Okay, well then I'm going to review first then, because I'm the virgin. <clears throat> oh, okay. um, yeah. And the virgin goes first, That's always. usually what we do, yeah, um, please. So thus, and therefore, oh, what a disaster of a movie. Um, yet, fun. I, I never did not have fun. So, um, when, I guess? Question mark? Um, really, and that, that's really all I have to say in review. Matthew Lord's great. Tony Shalhoub is great. A guy gets eaten by a car. A guy gets eaten by a car. F. Murray Abraham is, um, so you know, I mean, he killed Mozart, so you know he's the bad guy. He's so good. Like that bit in uh, Last Action Hero, right? Um, so, yeah, obviously a villain, and, uh, yeah, he is that in this. And so, um, need I say more? Child actors do child acting. Um one African-American actress does African-American actress in a horror film. Mm-hmm. Boy, they sure do use her for a lot of damn that's whack Yeah, lines. yeah, a lot of, oh, hell no. Yeah. A lot of that. Um, so. Here we are. Here we are. Um, I have nothing more to say about it other than it's got its problems, and yet I had fun. So um, there you go. Um, Arthur, you're next. Yeah, uh, I, I I love the original Thirteen Ghosts quite a bit. I've uh, never seen that either. Very nostalgic. My me mom neither. introduced it to me as a young age, and so you know, there's kind of this already built-in nostalgia for this one as well. Just because I, I really do think the premise is cool. The dude collects ghosts. I think there's something very fun with that premise, and, and I think what this take does very well is 100% production design. Uh, the house is so cool. And the the way it's structured and all that fun, practical stuff that they're doing uh, is really neat. The practical stuff with the ghosts is really cool. I think all the ghosts look very good uh, and intimidating and, and gross. Uh, maybe a couple aren't quite as effective. But for the most part, I think the scary ones are scary and effective. And I think that's interesting. Um, and, and what it does lift from the original, I think, works well. Uh, but I think at the end of the day... Um, it's very one note in a lot of sense and regards. And so, uh, like you said, it's, it's kind of a wreck of a film, but there is something very fun about it because of who is cast and it's a tight 90, uh, and it gets right into the meat of what it's doing. But I, I think a lot of that back half of the second act and into the third act is a lot of this very run from this ghost now. And then <laughs> run from this ghost. Now. It feels very repetitive because it's a lot of just them well, running through these well, well, labyrinth things. The, the Lophosaurs, they got to get away from those. And then they've got to, you know, they got to get away from the Oviraptors. Life and, finds a way. And eventually yeah. the Velociraptor. Um, but I, I think that is the thing. It just starts to feel very. And I think on a second or third watch, that's where it really kind of shows that that strain um, is that it, it starts to feel very repetitive as they constantly just go through the same four hallways over and over again with different ghosts in pursuit. And I think that does kill some of the momentum, but I, I'm just a sucker for the production and the, the, the concept of it. Uh, and, and so there's, there's that kind of part of me that's winning out a little bit, but overall I think it is very much a mess of a movie. Very good. Very good. What do you say, Dalton? I'm just going to list some things about this movie that don't make any sense real quick. Okay. Uh, Matthew Lillard is a grown adult in this movie. He is three years younger than Shannon Elizabeth, who's playing 
a 15 year old i guess yeah I going mean, I, on 35 I, well i was I, I i had her for a high school senior yeah let's oh. see american pie was 98 yeah so by movie she was math, already 17 there uh-huh so <laughs> what a dumb movie uh we've already talked about sort of the i presumably they're greek in the script but weird call but it is kind of cool that uh, there's three Arab Americans leading the cast of this movie. At least they tried to cast the family like, you know, not that you need to do that. Everybody can be related. But, you know, I th- thought that's cool. Very kind of 2001's moment. IMDb. Who's the other? Shannon Elizabeth and F. Murray Abrams and Tony Shalhoub. Uh, I didn't know Shannon. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know exactly what, but I, yeah, that's, she comes up on lists of uh, okay. North, Amer- North African and uh, Arab American oh, actors. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mm. know, yeah, right? That's cool. But F. Murray Abrams, of course, being the other one. And so it's, yeah. you know, it's... It really is the Tony Shalhoub and F. Murray Abrams show, except for the part where Miss Honey from uh, Matilda shows up to be a ghost hunter, which does kick ass. Uh, you're right. Matthew Lillard is, is also great. Uh, things that don't make sense. It's The glass is just unbreakable. The, just unbreakable glass. Just, yeah, we need for, no further explanation on why. It is utterly unbreakable okay. glass. Uh, reading the Latin off of the walls. Come on. You know that. Look. You don't walk into a house that's got Latin all over the place. Dalton, if, if you're building a house out of glass, you don't want breakable glass. That's true. What if you want to throw a rock? Your whole house is damn. Sometimes people who live in glass houses do want to throw stones. So funny (laughs) enough, this entire week, I've been teaching logical fallacies in school. And Uh uh, one of them is the the post hoc fallacy, you know, after because it follows, right? So it's like false causation. But the Latin is post hoc ergo prompter hoc. And the joke I've been making in class is when in English class, always memorize the Latin. When in a horror movie, never read it. It's a good bit. I've gotten chuckles. Which is better than most. Which of my is jokes basically do. a guffaw in a classroom. Yeah, but basically it's like yeah, like like falling out of their chair at that yeah, point. That's so. yeah, your professor's tight five, right? Um, and other things about this movie that I think are goofy, <laughs> not that kind of tight. No, I'm just picturing a professor just doing the whole brick wall '80s comedian bit. That is pretty good. Okay, yeah, that's, that's great. That's where I went. It's Seinfeld with a like corduroy blazer. And what's the deal with three ring binders? <laughs> Beowulf, Hamlet, and King Arthur walk into a bar. Uh, hey! Scooters are the big wheels of the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Both according to me and this movie. And the, yeah, the Razor specifically. Uh, I love that there are they live glasses for ghosts, uh, but Arthur's, like, that is the one, what if a person could see a ghost attacking another person who can't see the ghost attacking them? That is sort of the movie's one gag. It's pretty cool, though. It's a good yeah. It's a good gag. The, the house is great. I mean, Arthur, you already mentioned this, but the production design on this freaking house is great. Mm-hmm. Inside got, the Hellraiser box. That is yeah. the movie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And they got What's-His-Doodle's uh, sword from Highlander. That's, one of, <laughs> that's just one of the artifacts in that one room. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, isn't that good? Uh, did I have anything else that was particularly goofy in my notes? Uh, they did reshoots on September 11th. Oof. They had a moment of silence, and apparently, uh, according to the IMDb trivia, it was a weird day on set, but... Who knows? Probably. Well, I mean, I, I can imagine. We so. got work to do, and there's TV to watch. Yeah, and also we have to do a moment of silence for this tragedy that we don't fully understand, and probably won't. <laughs> Hi, I'm here from 20 years later saying we still we're, we're still so, working so, on so, it. So it was it was shooting on September 12th or September 11th, and I have I have questions now. It might have been no, I think it was the 11th. I think they were at work that day. So you'd have to like, I mean, I assume you'd stop work for a while, right? Uh, they're reshoots, so probably not. You probably only have everybody for a limited number of days. Uh, the movie's got, got a contract. The movie comes out. In a, the movie comes out in a month. There is a terrible thing going on, and we have got to work. Oh, this movie comes man. out. Man, yeah, yeah, that would six be a weird weeks. day. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but of course, you know, we all know that IMDb trivia can be apocryphal, but I like to look, I'm going to pretend that that is what happened because I like to think about these poor actors on this very bad movie. That is, as Dustin has said, and Arthur has echoed, and I am now thirding. It's fun. I don't know why. I can't. I can't tell you. Maybe it is just because it's only ninety minutes and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It works more often than it doesn't. As dumb as it is, yeah. and you know that goes a long way for me. Did the lawyer split? Ten out of ten. Great joke. Absolutely <laughs> astonishing horror movie joke stuff. I'm Ugh. always a sucker for the slice and half gag. With the with the slow drip reveal, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. gonna always gonna be a fan of that one. Always a fun every time. movie kill every time. Slice in half, people falling to pieces every time. Cubed sometimes, yep. sort of the the uber version of that yep. kill. Mm. Yep, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got. There's a lot of shining riffs here, as I, I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, every time they do a ghost reveal, it's pretty cool. Um, just meeting the ghosts is fun. Uh, they all have on the DVD, of course. They have backstories. Yeah, you can go find those if you want. If you're interested, we won't be talking. They're all on the them. wiki too. If you want to, exactly. We, we shan't be talking about them today. Um, <clears throat> yeah, good movie. When it's except when it's not, right? And <laughs> there it is. Often it is there not. It is. But we'll get to that when we get to analysis. So there it is. I think now we need to expand the syllabus. Dalton, can you tell us how that happens? What is that? So expanding the syllabus is a thing where I'm supposed to talk about the movie that we watched for the show in relation to other things. I usually forget to mention the movie we watched for the show when I expand my syllabus. Uh, But again, we basically are talking about films that no one would ever in their right mind try to teach academically. And we say, but what about if we did? Uh, And so we bring things that might connect as well as we can connect them to this central film that we're discussing. And we try to build a syllabus or a module from a syllabus. We try to say, okay, what if you taught this? What would the class be? What would you talk about? And that is expanding the syllabus. Very cool, very cool. Thank you very much, Dalton. Dalton, what does your syllabus look like? Uh, we're going to be talking about ghosts and grief, uh, and not always literal specters. We're going to be talking about the past a lot more than we're literally talking about ghosts, um, although we'll get a little bit of both. Um, but I, I, this class is going to be sort of thinking about national grief at some level, because I I am interested as this film in this film as one of the first horror movies to be... It's the first Halloween after 9-11. And that is sort of... I remember as a child being told I couldn't be anything too scary for Halloween that year. Like, it is a a moment that is worth thinking about. Uh, so I, I think we will sort of frame the class around that moment because it is sort of this great ghost that uh, looms over our crumbling empire. Uh, I don't know what that means, but... You know, it is a thing I think about. So we'll start off with the Babadook kind of explicitly looking at interpersonal, interpartner grief and, and the yeah. loss of a of a partner or parent. Uh, we'll look at the pact, which kind of deals with nice. uh, the ghosts of your family, uh, the, the, the deeds your family might have done before you arrived. Uh, we'll look at How Sue, a uh, film explicitly dealing with uh, national trauma by doing it as a ghost story. Uh, 13 Ghosts does not do that. It couldn't have possibly done it. It came out six weeks after the thing house who came out, you know, 20 some odd, 30 some odd years after, uh, the bombings. But again, that's a film that is dealing with Japan's, uh, uh, victimhood of, uh, not victimhood. That's a wrong way to say it, but you know, being the victim of a terrible war crime. And how do you unpack that? Uh, how do you, how do you reckon with that? Uh, look at the lights out, uh, just lights out, uh, from a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. a ghost movie that uses again, uh, trauma to kind of examine ghost stories, mm-hmm. uh, and vice versa. Uh, we'll look at a Christmas Carol. We'll look at economic ghosts and you know how 
<clears throat> how we can use ghosts for different things than just scaring people, how we can use ghosts to make people think about their past. Uh, we'll look at, speaking of, a history of violence, uh, speaking of violent pasts coming back to haunt you when it's, you know, is it your past as opposed to your family's past with the pact? And last, uh, this is sort of a return of a segment that we like to call Things Dalton Recently Watched and Wants to Talk About on the Show. There it is. We'll be looking at Paul Schrader's The Card Counter, uh, which just came out. Uh, a film that does deal explicitly not with 9-11, but with uh, the war crimes at uh, Bagram Air Force Base. Uh, and uh, what was the other one? Abu Ghraib. Thank you. Um, deals with... Uh, that moment in American history and the fact that only the people in the pictures, uh, not the people who gave them their orders, got punished. And what is that? Paul Schrader is as upset about, uh, unsurprisingly, is as upset about that war as he is about the environment. Uh, doesn't mesh quite as well with the sad movie about uh, the environment with the priest, uh, card counting and, you know, and former torture doer. I don't know. It's a weird movie. I like it a lot, though, and it is very much about ghosts and that sort of not metaphysical way in that very concrete way where like things you do loom over your life and there are people who you will be connected to by a shared event. And how do you make a relationship with somebody when the only thing you have in common is a shared pain? Um, that's the, that's the syllabus. I, I think there's a lot to be done with ghosts, um, both again, metaphysical and more literal kind of minded thinking about ghosts in, in the past. But uh, yeah, I, I love uh, that's one of my favorite things about ghosts. They're not really anything that I typically find that scary. Um, other than, Hey, what if the creaks that you hear at night when your house is settling are spoops? That's fun. I do like that idea. Uh, but you know, I, I find ghosts more interesting when it is using them to, to be about something when we are, uh, Mike Flanagan does a great job of this kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love ghosts as sort of mm-hmm. metaphor for what we're dealing with when we, when we live. Very cool, very cool. Thank you very much for that, Dalton Stewart. What do you have for a syllabus there, Arthur? Yeah, so I want to just look at a, a studio study of Dark Castle uh, Entertainment uh, and, and their rise and history. Um, this is a production company founded by uh, Robert Zemeckis and... Oh, good night. Bobby um, Z was on Dark Castle? I had no idea. Um, Dark Castle <clears throat> Entertainment. Here we go. Uh, uh, is Joel Silver, Robert Zemeckis, and Gilbert Adler. Um, uh, it was a production company kind of initially setting out to pay homage to William Castle. Uh, and so the, the first kind of couple movies out of uh, its its run are homage to William Castle. So I think that's where we started is with William Castle. And we would watch The Tingler uh, and 13 Ghosts, uh, both of which uh, were, were based around this idea of uh, the audience experience and how uh castle could incorporate a tactile response in his audience with the tingler technology and also the illusion of 13 ghosts uh where the goggles uh existed uh, anytime the characters put on the goggles you put on these special glasses so you could choose to see the ghosts or not uh, as you watch the film um and so what, I, think, I mean that nice. rules it's so william yeah. he's he's just a genius yeah and so you know he's got this great concept, and so he's like, "How can we make this movie work?" And so we get Thirteen Ghosts. So I think that's where we'd go uh, first is to that source. Were there any gimmicks associated with the uh, remake? Really, they thought about it. They thought about it. But they yeah, didn't go ahead and go with yeah. it. That, yeah. that was the original plan was to do the yeah. You'd have three glasses on during the movie, and that's how you'd see the ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which it just it's a fun idea if, if you can pull it off. Uh, and from there, I, I think we'd watch the Joe Dante film Matinee, 
which is very much inspired by William Castle type of, of director who, who does incorporate this interesting technology to enhance the experience. Uh, from there, I want to get into Robert Zemeckis a little bit, look at a couple of his horror movies. We're going to talk about What Lies Beneath mm. uh, and Death Becomes Her, uh, one more campy, one more Hitchcockian, but he is a director who has that kind of horror grounding and came around in the New Hollywood period, so he would have been very familiar, if not inspired, by William Castle. Uh, and Hitchcock uh, as well, and so we'd talk about that, and then we'd get into Dark Castle itself and kind of look at its house style and what it established, and I think it's a brand and a studio from what I've seen, the movies I have seen that's very focused on echoing this gothic Art Deco uh, look, Uh, uh, and we see this in House on Haunted Hill, we see it in House of Wax, Um, and so we look at that, uh, also very heavy emphasis on practical effects and practical set design, uh, so we'd start out with House on Haunted Hill from 99. We'd do 13 Ghosts. We'd also do 2004's Gothica. Uh, and then we would do 2005's House of Wax. So we'd look at those and, and talk about those elements and, and what this house style uh, looks like for Dark Castle. Uh, and from there, we would move into their expansion later in the decade of the aughts uh, into other genres. And we would talk Guy Ritchie's Rock and Rolla. Uh, and then we would look at the uh, Vertigo adaptation, The Losers. Uh, and then from there, we'd move into the next decade and look at a, a, an odd outlier, which is it's Oscar hopeful uh, in George Clooney's Suburbicon, which very much feels like this Oscar Beatty indie darling type movie that they they distribute and release uh, and kind of their evolution over time. And now they just kind of drop uh, whatever any type of genre. There's no specific style as as relevant as there was in the early aughts when they first established that, that imprint. It's like that new line transition, right? Where it becomes, begins as the house that Freddie built and then becomes yeah. something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Dark Castle really kind of feels like it's now playing alongside a magnet or a bloom house. Yeah. Uh, sort rather of than kind ni- of having a distinct house style like it did at one point. <clears throat> More of niche audiences. Yeah. Sort of fair. Very, that yeah. 80s B movie action type stuff. Which was what they were doing, yeah, with Rock and Roll and the Losers, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, which is not yeah. a far leap from horror. Yeah. Right? It's all sort of the Shocky John Carpenter genre. vein of genre. Yeah. 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 I would recommend uh, for the reading on that class, um, there's a chapter on William Castle in the book Ghouls, Gimmicks, and Gold, mm. uh, which is a history of this sort of moment yeah. in um, cinema in the 60s, cool. exploitation cinema. Fun. But that's what I would do. It was just studio study. Yeah, love Very that. Very cool. Are they still around, Dark Castle? Other than, I know Suburbicon is one of their more recent things. Yeah, I'm pretty they, sure they they're anything? still doing, they oh, did they a seance this year, or they're working on it. Well, and they got a TVA coming out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they're making a sequel to Orphan. <laughs> oh, my God. Orphan, right. a movie I love. I forgot about that. I forgot you liked it. Didn't they find a way to make it so the uh, actress from the first movie can still be in it? Yeah, she's she's in it, yeah. They, she is? That's great. Dustin, pretty positive. This was your first time watching 13 Ghosts? Yes. You've been trying to get a, a syllabus going. Did you get anything off the ground? I did. I've got the cheat syllabus. I've got the syllabus that is the marathon without being within the time frame scope of the marathon. So we're doing these horror movie remakes in the 2000s, and I would just do the horror remake as a module in maybe something like a horror class. And so, uh, and, and this would be... The, head, the the major arcana to use the tarot deck as a as a reference here, and so uh, the thing from Hawks and also from 
Carpenter, uh, The Fly, and uh, also from those that Norwegian guy, that Norwegian guy, yeah, from uh, the, the, the Fly prequel. with the uh, Vincent Price movie, and then also the Jeff Goldblum, David Cronenberg film. Um, by the way, Denise Cronenberg did the costumes for this film, oh. so there's a Cronenberg connection there. That's fun. I just happened to notice that in the credits. Um, that's Cronenberg's sister, by the by. Um, also, uh, Invasions of the Body Snatchers, uh, the fifties and the seventies, and then lastly. Vincent Price, once again, House on Haunted Hill, as you've already mentioned, and the remake a year previous or two years previous to this. Um, mm-hmm. So just thinking about the ways in which those properties find their way back into cinema and the art of remake specific to the genre of horror. And I think in these cases, they're very much more reimaginings uh, of these films than they are with some plot beats, mm-hmm. but they're not really remakes in the same kind of faithful sense that we might mm. see in other places. So I find that to be fascinating as well. So there you go. That's my cheater syllabus. Well, we were bound to look. One of us was going to do it at some point in this marathon. I thought about it for this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's worthwhile and maybe a good place for us to transition into the business we're here to do. But yeah, I mean, remakes is sort of a, a weird, especially, you know, it's again, as you mentioned, uh, the thing, the, this is not a new thing. Right. But we really are entering a decade of remakes. Absolutely. Uh, more so than prior years or prior decades. So there you go, dear listener. I think it's now time to get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. And I think that is a good place to begin because remakes have always been with us. Yeah. Uh, You know, um, Cape Fear is a remake. You know, uh, Alfred Hitchcock remade his own movie. I mean, the Maltese Falcon is a remake of the Maltese Falcon, of the, right? Yeah, right. And so there's there are there's these things that have always been the case for cinema, and uh, going back to a property, recasting it, redirecting it, and uh, redirecting it. I like no, I love that made up redirectory it. Uh, but anyway, um, that's a thing that happens and has always happened. But something yeah. happened in the aughts where we got. Remake and legacy sequel and uh, intellectual property just happy. Was the thing that happened 9-11, though? Was it, was it not a, we have to make something about things we've already done, because what the shit do we make a movie about now? I think that's exactly it. Yeah. 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 Though, again, I mean, with Dark Castle, I think this is an interesting uh, sort of outlier, because we do have House on Haunted Hill. They do make. two or three remakes, and then... Uh, and they start making original Yeah, productions. House of Wax. Yeah, which is loosely remade from... There's the Vincent Price House of Wax, but it's also an, another movie that I can't remember off the top gotcha. of my head that they say it's a little closer to in the plotting of. But, but yeah, yeah. Dark, that, that's how they get their bread but and I butter mean, going. What? I, I think that's really the big the real big stuff that they, they remake are those two uh, initial ones, House on Haunted Hill, 13 Ghosts, which are both William Castle mm. movies, you know, and, and that's where they get the name, William Castle. Uh, but yeah, they do start moving into more original stuff. But it, it's you know sparse compared to the. Pl- I mean, we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Platinum Dunes. We're, yeah, Platinum Dunes is a big one, right? Yeah, Michael Bay, and we got Texas Chainsaw and Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. We get those reboots. They did all Halloween. three of those, and then well, and the Amityville Horror. We get the reboot there. Do we get every eighty slasher gets? I mean, Prom Night. I was thinking about Halloween though, because we've got the Rob Zombies, House on Sorority Row. and then we've got the Halloween sequels going yeah. on now, right? And isn't there... Oh, the the what, sequel to Halloween H2O. What is the Halloween that's coming out just soon, soon, soon? Halloween Kills? Halloween yeah, Kills. A sequel to Halloween H- 2018. Yeah. yeah. It's a good title. 
that's such a good title. Is yeah. it, I don't know if it's going to be good, but it's a good title. I saw the trailer a lot this week, and it yeah. kept playing in front of my face. And It's it, played every movie I think I've seen this last three yeah. months. They want you to know it's coming out. There's <laughs> only so many movies coming out this year. But yeah, I mean, I think it was this idea, just, you know, we can bet on a safe you know, safe horse. Yeah. And audiences will go see it. They, they're comfortable. They're familiar. That idea of, you know, we've talked often about 1999 and, and the kind of experimental existentialism of the late 90s in cinema. And that does go away after 9-11. Huge uh, boomerang back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then we the franchise kickoff is at 9-11 too, right? Spider-Man has to reshoot its trailer because yeah. uh, it's the opening Twin Towers. after yeah. the Twin Towers, you know. So there's that. And then that begins the sort of world of the Marvel movie, right? Yeah. I have Clear Channel had this whole list of songs that you can't. And I'm sure, listener, you've probably listened to plenty of podcasts in the last month or so. They're talking about the last, you know, 20 years. But... It is worth mentioning that, like, this is a huge moment. Like, I'm sure there was re-edits on this movie. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But, yeah, the Clear Channel, like, had a list of songs you can't play on the radio right now because they reference hmm. planes or, like, all, oh, yeah. just all sorts of, like, sort of esoterically connected songs that might maybe make somebody think about it. I think the other thing that's interesting is not only the American remake of American Franchise, but also the big mm. J-horror influx after The Ring, when we yeah. got The Grudge and, and its ilk and Dark Water and all of those movies that kind of come in from, you know, Japan as well, and there's still remakes with an American version, but you know there's that kind of built-in guarantee of success. Oh, that played well. Let's Americanize it because it'll probably play well here too. Yeah. So it's just an interesting time that that so many of these movies are. I mean, we even had the another invasion in the early aughts. We had the Daniel Craig Nicole Kidman. That's right. Invasion as well. God, mm-hmm. you're totally right. I had forgotten about that. I've been sitting here thinking of trying to think of remakes that other than the ones we're going to do. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I, I was say prom night. Uh, yeah, we got the slasher, House of Sorority Row, Black Christmas. Oh, um, the Hills Have Eyes. Hills Have and Eyes. The last House on the Left. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, what? Uh, Day of Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. God, that was a huge one. Yeah, yeah. the movie yeah. made a ton of money. Yeah, which I feel like that's the one that comes the closest, right? It's got sort of its weird, as vaguely Islamophobic opening title sequence, but it is sort of very much a. Americans are stressed out zombie movie. Right. Because um, this is, of course, a film two years into the war. Right. Which sort of changes the whole volume on movies for a little bit. Um, are there, is there any other oh, horror remake that feels worth mentioning right now? Willard. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. Wow. 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 I didn't even think about Willard. Fog. Did you, did you know the there's fog. a sequel to the original Willard, which I guess really? the, the Crispin Glover, yeah, borrows a lot from the uh, sequel to the original Willard. Hmm. Huh. Well, all right then. Uh, the Wicker Man. Oh, yeah. Wicker Man. Yeah. Omen. Oh, the Omen, Omen. of course. Omen, yeah. Right. See, I knew there was. When a, a Stranger Calls. The Hitcher. Yeah, I knew there were some big ones. Vacancy. Oh, that's not one. Yeah, there was something. Oh, Fright Night. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Recently, yeah. Yeah. In the 2009. 2010. Nine? Oh, was it, it was a new movie, like, yeah, when we started a doing decade the show. Ago. Okay, <laughs> oh, I, I felt like it was a teen may have been for a some reason, but, but yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. So it, does this feel, uh, as a horror remake, Arthur, you're the only one that's seen the original 13 Ghosts, how indebted to the original does it feel? I mean, narratively pretty strong. Uh, the big idea is in the original... His name is not Arthur, but uh, it's their last name is Zorba, so there's still that Greek connection. Okay, which Zorba is a better name than Criticos. Um, but I mean, same idea. They are broke. They're, I mean, they're they're a family unit. There's a husband and a wife and two mm-hmm. children. Um, 
and the kid likes to roller skate everywhere uh, instead oh. of scoot everywhere. Scooter everywhere. Gotcha. Um, but real brief, they get a telegraph. The uncles died. They get inherit this house. Um, the lawyer is you know there, brings them the glasses. Um, spoiler alert: uh, the uh, the lawyer isn't all he seems, and he's looking for Zorba's lost fortune, which seems to be hidden in the house somewhere. Gotcha. gotcha. So Zorba isn't a bad guy. The lawyer is a bad guy. He's looking for the money that Zorba's hidden. Um, there is a uh, maid who lives in the house who is played by uh, the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, Whoa, really? And uh, the the ongoing joke in the movie is that she is a witch, maybe, mm. which is a fun little <laughs> bit. That. That's Love fun. That. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty indebted. As they walk through the house, there's all these ghosts, and they all have like these kind of fun backstories, jilted lovers. Uh, my favorite is there's a lion tamer uh, who lost his head uh, to a lion. Oh, so he's uh, the torso. Uh, yeah. I guess he's the full torch, but the lion is also a ghost. <laughs> that of course, rules. right? So, like, there's a scene where he's like taming the lion, uh, but it, I mean, it's very bare bones as far as you know. It's it's the idea of he had a gimmick, yeah, and he just needed a story to go with it, yeah. But I, I think there is a kind of a heart to it, and I think that's mostly because of the performances. But narratively, the beats are all. I mean, they inherit the house, they get to the house. Ghosts. Now, right. Arthur, you've brought up domestic staff uh, in the original, which feels like time to talk about how yeah. the allegedly broke Tony Shalhoub family has a, a living maid at their nanny yeah, at their weird. apartment. Some life odd, insurance money, maybe. I don't know. Maybe she does that in exchange for living because it's, it's presumed she lives. You know, she it seems in, like she lives so there. Maybe that's the, the that doesn't really. Is that a three bedroom apartment? What this I, movie I, makes no sense. Maybe she I stays just, with Shannon Elizabeth in her room. Maybe she stays with Tony Shalhoub in his room. <laughs> Who can be sure this movie is nonsense? But it is... Uh, That's I, a big question mark, right? Like, yeah. It, yeah. It is fun that it does kind of play with this idea, right? That, like, no, they're broke because Uncle Cyrus is rich. Poverty exists because of richness. This is... Uh, yeah. This must be said. It must be acknowledged. The two are sort of intertwined. It is the squandering of the family fortune that leaves... Other members of the family not doing so well, right? Uh, which is funny, but God, it's just—it's just a weird. It's one of many weird things in this movie that don't quite pass the smell test as far as the plot. But back to our our, our, our remake act, question, our actress. I mean, no, oh, I, yeah. we, we're moving into that. I mean, this she absolutely she doesn't die right away. It doesn't I kill mean, her at all. First yeah. thought I had was, oh, she gonna die very quickly. Well, she she makes it through. Yeah, she makes it through. She, and again, kind of saves the day. She gets the final line, which is a damn, that's whack line, of course. The, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I quit, whatever. And there's some of the, all these white people losing their minds type yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I, uh, Rod Digga is uh, her name, I guess. Oh, she's in Blade too. Uh, that rules. Uh, looks like she's got quite a few uh, soundtrack credits. Oh, she's uh, Blade's mom. Yeah. She? No, 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 no. That's in the flashback? Blade. No. 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 Blade's mom, Santa Lathan. It, oh, okay. Santa yeah, she is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's got some other credits. She didn't, hadn't done a whole lot. In movies, though, a lot of lot of uh, credits on soundtracks, mm-hmm. uh, only for acting credits. But yeah, I mean, I, look, there's worse stuff as far as there's there's worse movies that do traffic in this kind of stuff that they do with this character. Um, it's it's still bad. Well, I mean, I think what's worse maybe in this movie is is gender exploitation. I mean, we got to talk about. I shouldn't know that the guy that made the movie's a boob guy. When the movie ends, you know what I mean. Yeah, I shouldn't be able to like just spot that that easily, right? But I can tell you that this director is a boob guy for sure, and it's not just our nude 
ghost. That Shannon we, Elizabeth. That, that was, yeah. But the, there's this attack with the jackal that is definitely breasty. Yeah. Um, to say the very least. And that's super, super troubling. Yeah, it's, it's I don't gross. know if I have any more to say about it than that, but I, than, I was troubled by it when I saw it. There are three kinds of women in this movie. Four kinds of women. If we're going to count some of the ghosts. Um, moms. Mm-hmm. Maids. Mm-hmm. Uh, teenagers that look like they're 30. Right. Uh, and hot ghosts. <laughs> well, the teenager that looks like her, she's 30 is also kind of in the hot category. Well, right? that's why I mentioned yeah. that she looks like she's 30. She's, All right. Yeah, she's a grown adult. She's being sexualized, and that's why they cast a grown adult. But yeah. his character's canonically a teen. Mm-hmm. Movies is weird, y'all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it feels so of the time that I didn't even blink until I was like really going going back over my notes. I was like, oh god, this movie, this movie. Um, I don't know. Is there anything other uh, particularly egregious? I guess Miss Honey is she's cool. I forgot about her. She gets to be both like action ghost lady and the, also the be tr- the traitor. Trinity character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She gets to be Trinity and then also betray them, yeah. which is yeah. fun. I mean, yeah. she gets a lot to do until she gets squished. Yeah. Yeah. Sacrificial lamb. Yeah. This is a cool death. A lot of cool deaths in this movie. Yeah. There are. It's yeah. weird how low the body count is, considering how many ghosts there are. But I guess it knows it's not that kind of movie. Yeah. I mean, you kill off the family. There's really nothing left to root for. Other than Matthew Lillard, yeah. who you have to kill because nerds die in yeah. movies. That's right. just yeah. the, the rules. If there's a guy that knows the rules about horror movies, then he's got to go. Got to get but, murdered. But ghost Matthew Lillard is so cool. Like, in the afterlife, you... you, you lose all of your sort of social awkwardness. I mean, that's nice, right? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, by the way, we, I am going to pay off the rest of that spoiler. He gets murdered by the jackal and the hammer. So and the hammer. It's a tag team job. Tag team. Tony Shalhoub and Matthew Lillard versus those two guys. And the hammer. It's great stuff. I'd watch that. I love Shalhoub in this. I really do. I do, and he's a good dad, too, I he think, is. in this. Yeah, I think He's very works. endearing. He, he, I think the kid's not good. The kid is not good. He's bad child actor. God help him. Yeah, he's he's okay, but it is not the best it's stuff. Rough. It's surely not great. Uh, is is there any? I've got one kind of like biggie on the eye chart I want to talk about. But uh, is there any other than that? I do want to mention that little kid is a tiny podcaster. Ah, uh, yes, he is. Yes, I, he is. I, I yeah. thought the same thing. Tiny yeah. a podcast, oh, which is true cute, climber. except in Godzilla and Halloween. <laughs> it's cute when we don't when know what podcasts kid. are yet. Yeah, yeah. right. And, but it's like, um, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do a true crime podcast. Man, clearly, he, he really uh, foreshadowed the next fifteen mm. years. Didn't yeah, that kid had his finger on the pulse, man. <laughs> yeah, he, knew he was, uh, knew what was coming. Well, yeah, he knew he was a generation that saw a lot of death. <laughs> How do we process death? Um, I I, I am really I want to go back to you 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 bring up Rod Digga uh, she's credited on soundtrack so she's American rapper and, and this is an interesting moment in film you've already mentioned Halloween H two O oh yeah it's got Coolio Busta and, no Bust Busta yeah we had Vitamin C we had last vitamin week Vitamin C last yeah. week there is this kind of influx I think crossover right? of yeah this is of, this is the decade for it musicians and, and entertainers and i mean even Always i mean we see thing. the rock i mean this is when the rock crosses over from wrestling into the scorpion king and and does that whole thing it's an odd i mean it's a marketing thing right like oh if we cast buster rhymes we'll get a different demographic in well to watch especially this movie. if you have similar ownership for like your record label yeah ludicrous and training yeah. day thank you well but there's there's the more ones that i was trying to think of specifically ludicrous and too fast too furious oh right on yeah, yeah. but again right. the yeah perform the 
the musician athlete crossing over to actor is nothing new, but you're right. That is sort of start like a lot of attempts at bat. Like I mean, a lot I mean of that, there are a few, you know, Dan Marino, but even that's kind of a joke in Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura, yeah, right. But sure. I mean, and there are a couple of others, but I mean, I the mean, 90s, it definitely feels like the juice. Hey, I need, I need, uh, I need you to do two albums and three movie appearances. Here's your contract. <sighs> You know, I mean, it does kind of feel like that's a big part of the odds. Some real, yeah, some real Motown Redux stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we have Bones, which has, I mean, Snoop Dogg and oh, yeah. several others, I think. Well, and there's a couple of movies like that, right, where the soundtrack is sort of like being is one of the is a product right alongside the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, a lot of made for the film soundtracks. That's sort of it's kind of the last gasp of that, right? Like yeah. the the power of love on the Back to the Future soundtrack. This. The 2000s kind of have like <laughs> one more of those. Yeah. Quick. Oh, Exit Wounds. Uh, oh, DMX with, yeah, and, DMX. Uh, and um, uh, Steven Seagal. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. He's got a couple of uh, movies too. Or, DMX does, right? Yeah. DMX does a couple with uh, Jet Li. Yeah. He's got yeah. a few martial arts movies that he does. Fun. Weird, weird decade, though. You're right. It is kind of a, the start of another round of that, maybe even more so than we've gotten before. Is Are there any other. Before the '90s and 2000s, are there any other pro wrestlers that crossed over into being actors? R- Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper, the, they, they live, live. They, they lose glasses. The, yeah, he's the more successful. You know, Hogan tried to do a few movies, but it never really took off. That's right. You know, another Suburban guy, you know. Commando wasn't a success. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Piper's a big one. You know, I think is Christopherson from music to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is a, a big one. But... Stars Born and Blade. Oh, he's so good as Wesker. Yeah. But anyway. I just yeah. thought it was, I mean, once you mentioned that, it really kind of triggered that after talking about vitamin C on, on uh, Dracula 2000. Um, I had a kind of a formal question. Uh, Ebert mentioned in his review of this that this, he like found it assaultive. Like he kind of, he, similarly to what we've been talking about, he liked the, the shtick of the movie, kind of like the premise. But uh, he mentioned, and then uh, the, I saw a couple of other references to reviews at the time calling this movie just like, a lot. It's the, um the sound design and the and the sort of flashy photography. It's kind of seizure inducing a little bit, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, I think even you know that going back to the production design, which I think is really cool the way this house is, but it's very. I mean, it, it's hard to keep track of location in this film because mm-hmm. everything does look the same, mm-hmm. and it is very aggressive and saltive, and all these tight close ups running through hallways that all look very similar, and they're one point where they're even pushing a wall of glass alongside of them, which I think adds to that. And then quick cut to spinning cogs, quick cut to spinning cogs, you know. And I'm sure they're having a lot of that's probably because they're having to hide a lot of crew because mm. the walls are made of glass. So yeah. they're probably, have, there's only so much, so Space. many angles they can yeah. use. Since, I mean, it's all pretty practical. But it's also an easy way to get away with claustrophobia because you yep. can take out walls and you mm-hmm. can hide crew, yep. right? I mean, so it, it, it's also kind of a cheat in some ways. That's a good point. Uh, but yeah, I, I just I thought it was interesting. You know, you, it's not every day that a movie gets called that, but it, this is the era where I think that's you know it's pre Paul Greengrass, but it is yeah, sort of. But is that very hyper stylized kinetic editing? Yeah, yeah. of the two. I mean, the Michael Bayness of it. I think. Yeah, he kind of is one. I mean, there's or other Edgar names you can throw. of it. That's well, this, true. I mean, this the music video directors. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably. Sort more, of I mean, the Michael Bay's effect is probably more prevalent here. Maybe Guy Ritchie more than Edgar mm, Wright. Yeah. 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 Because, yeah, Wright's not quite there yet. Because Shaun of the Dead's 2004. Yeah, he's still working right. on space at this point. But Maybe. it is still kind of, these are all guys that are working in similar, you know, productions. Again, yeah. coming from that music video and commercial world where everything is quick and cutty. Yeah. Right. Um, 
there's some interesting like human spirit as commodity stuff going on here that I love. We talk about like the commodification of the human body and, you know, and bodies in general on this show sometimes, but I don't know that we've talked about like explicitly the idea of the soul being a commodity. Uh, You know, we've never talked about the master on this show, so we can't talk about contracts that extend into the afterlife. Yeah. Uh, But it is interesting, right? This idea that like, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? Well, one, you're a ghost and two, somebody kidnaps your ghost to make a ghost battery that the devil designed. Right. I mean, there's a bit of that in Ghostbusters, though, right? Because that's how these guys are making their living is ghost exterminators. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah. it's that idea. is like, huh? It's like, yeah, it's, it's like evil Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah, and that is sort of their whole deal is they're they're the the nega Ghostbusters. <laughs> they they want them for power and for badness as yeah. opposed to, you know, environmental control, But I think, I, I mean, it is interesting to put that economical factor on both of those. Yeah. Hmm. Well, so much of this movie is about power, right? Like Cyrus yeah. F. Murray Abrams gives this fantastic teeth gnashy uh, monologue at the end about how like i am great because i achieve and it is very much a a, a bootstrappy monologue right yeah. from this rich Make guy an omelet to break eggs yeah and, right. i'll do whatever it takes to get what i want because rich guy logic right uh it's a fun monologue uh and it is fun that tony shalhoub like literally has to kill his family fortune if you, if you accept the premise that that's what the the machine is what the family fortune went to and he is ghost john hammond back to jurassic park yeah mm-hmm. yeah but cyrus or Shalou? cyrus yeah. yeah yeah he's it's weird that john hammond is kind of low-key the bad guy of jurassic park mm-hmm. and nobody we don't really deal with that at all in that movie but you're right i mean that's sort of his whole deal he is the guy that wants the ghosts there uh, now, did John Hammond want the ghost, the, the dinosaurs, to power a battery that would make him live forever or something? Well, no. When you want to run a theme park, they're both pretty bad. There's something a legacy there, though. Yeah, theme parks him. are sketchy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I mean, to be the man who has brought the dinosaur back to life. But yeah, I, I think exactly. he's a little more antagonistic in the book, right? Yes, he is. That's yeah. what I've heard. Yeah. Um, do we know how the ghosts get out? It was the dice space out. The lawyer machine, let him out. Yeah, the machine starts and it lets him out. That's why I couldn't, I couldn't figure out how the machine got turned and on. And the lawyer, lawyer did it by accident. Yeah, I, I think guess, so. because yeah, yeah. the, uh, the he satchel, the, the valise, hit it or something is on a like a, a foot pressure switch yeah. or something. I yeah. figured it was an insert shot that I missed. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah, cogs so start spinning and then doors start sliding open. But she, the valise is on the foot pressure switch because F. Murray Abraham wants it to happen so does um, so he can get the end game yeah yeah yeah, Miss Honey can do their things yeah Yeah. it is bad though when you're you're (laughs) a big part of your movie's plot hangs on an easily missed insert shot Mm -hmm. yeah but it's also movie saying does it matter does it matter we're here it's ghost you're here for the ghosts yeah Yeah. you're here for the 13 ghosts (laughs) let's get them out and I do appreciate that about this movie right like it is it wastes no time we made a bunch of cool ghosts do you want to look at our our very Hellraiser inspired ghosts please yeah uh, do you guys have a favorite ghost? I think I like the the hammer a lot because he looks so much like Pinhead, but with railroad spikes. Uh, I liked the yeah. garage mechanic with the baseball bat. Mm-hmm. I just like oh, his yeah, road rash juggernaut, face. Yeah. No, no, no. The, oh. other there's, the juggernaut's got a jumpsuit on too, but there's another, there's a younger guy. Oh, okay. That's got kind of like a 50s mechanic. Is he the prince? Thing. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But I liked his, his road rash makeup and I liked a baseball bat's always a fun ghost weapon. Yeah. Now, this is some great fan art you've pulled up of the ghosts, Arthur. Yeah. Well, this is the cover for the Shout Factory Whoa. release of this. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks great. Yeah. You can see it in full. Wow. But, yeah. Does this movie have enough nice. of a following to warrant a Shout Factory Blu-ray yeah. release? Apparently. Yeah. I mean, that's the, their whole shtick is this... I mean, they've got a whole line of these early 2000s 
schlocky cult classics. Hey, somebody's every movie's for somebody. Yeah, you know? I mean, but I don't know if I have. I mean, this guy with a cage on his head is pretty cool. That's the right? jackal. Okay, yeah, jackal. yeah. yeah. I, mean, I like that's that. pretty cool. They call who uh, Matthew Lillard calls the Charlie Manson of ghosts. The uh, the little kid playing Indians a little creepy. Just because little kids are creepy in yeah. general. Oh, oh I yeah. want I want the big baby and the little mama. I want I want that movie. I want to know what disturbing. happened there. I, yeah, you want to know all about that? Because man, that that Munchausen by proxy situation. Yeah, it's no good. It's no good. They're all gross. I do appreciate the 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 practical ghosts though. The practical ghosts are cool. We're in a time period now where this would all be digital and it would look yeah. terrible. So yeah. speaking of remakes, do you know I, I'm this is I don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show, but I feel like we have to have. Do you know this about the thing? prequel that they it wasn't originally going to be a bunch of cgi they made puppets mm, yeah they made like yeah. a lot of really good puppets yeah and the studio thought it looked hokey oh so they made them cgi over like all of this stuff they'd already shot and make it all why i don't know why i don't it's just a fun weird thing to know about the thing prequel look while we're on this note uh yes. of practical effects and uh dark castle uh the third act of house of wax which takes place in a wax museum uh, the entire uh, house of wax begins to melt, uh, and it is one of the m- most enjoyable things to watch. As uh, the protagonists run through this melting museum, and everything is just so runny. Yeah, it, it's That's gooey so and cool. waxy and ooey, and it's just oh, it is so cool. And gooey. it's all practical. <sighs> it looks so cool. There's an issue of Captain America what? in the '90s, oh, okay. where Thor. Bearded Thor and Captain America are in the house that dripped wax. There's mm. a cover mm-hmm. that is very much like what you're describing. Oh, yeah. So, I just, yeah, that, I think it's called The House That Dripped Wax. Um, but, yeah, that is totally a thing. Uh, well, we're very clearly scraping the bottom of the barrel here as far as 13 Ghost Talk goes. <laughs> uh, does anybody have any thoughts that really... Uh, just is, yeah. oh, oh the it? house that dripped dough. That dripped dough. You're right. Oh God, I, that's so yeah. funny. I own this comic. I love but it. Wild. I mean, I mean, yeah. Where else do we go with this movie? Sorry, we've talked. So we've talked. Uh, we've talked uh, domestic help and remakes and reboots. What kind and of sexualization? Yeah, we alluded to some of the money stuff going on. Yes, uh, but it's, there's again, there's nothing really concrete going on other than the idea that like. No, your family cannot be saved by this treasure house. You're you're gonna have to break the treasure house. In fact, to save your family, that's some uh, that's something. You know, la- uh, you, you you talk about running out the ghosts of the past. It's interesting. Mm. I don't know that this does much with that idea. It's but just you, mom. Yeah, it's yeah. just. Uh, uh, and it doesn't really land. I don't think as well. No, I think the reveal of her is cool. Like the the fact that they reveal that their mom is one of the ghosts yeah. that their uncle kidnapped. That's pretty. I like that it's early in as, the movie. And yeah. It's diabolical. It's and, yeah. so, dude. It's so diabolical. Yeah. Right. It's, and we kind of are almost led to believe that Cyrus might have started the fire. And I'm glad that there's a, a last moment with Mom without the burn makeup. That's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, th- th- as far as using ghosts as metaphors, this movie does not do that. Really? No. I mean, each of the ghosts definitely, especially if you read the backstories, right, represents a kind of violence. Right. Yeah. Uh, th- there is definitely like some thought of. There was some thought put into what each of the ghosts represents, but again, it's not within the text of the film, really, unless you're kind of reading between the lines. So, know, hardly worth mentioning. So, because yeah, it is. It is the the ghost of the mom is the only one they really deal with, and it is just the idea that when you lose somebody, they they remain, and whatever whatever that means to you is sort of irrelevant uh, as as regards to afterlife. Uh, 
there's just a memory, right? And I think this movie plays with that somewhat effectively, just the idea of the the ghost of uh, the mother trying to protect them from danger, right? And, you know, sort of the idea that the memory lingers, right? You remember what somebody would want for you. But there's not, again, there's not really much done with that other than, you know, the the makeup being, you know, the sort of this release from... uh, the torment of being left in this in-between space, right? Just right. That. Though all of our other horror ghosts remain, yeah, they just horrified. walk off into the woods. Yeah, they don't also get to be uh, freed from their uh, their purgatory, whatever. Yeah, weird call. Yeah, I, I, that's it. Was sort of a stretch on the ghosts as metaphor because they're not really well used as a metaphor. Here. No, they're, they're pretty much just literal concrete. Yeah, no, but again, the the only metaphor that exists is the commodification of people, right? And again, I mm-hmm. think especially with uh, a couple of the ghosts that is sort of literalized in their backstory that there is some sort of commodification of bodies that led to their death. Um, that's, you know, there's something there. Um, but there, there's not a lot of there there with this movie, unfortunately. Um, again, a, a guy gets eaten by a car. That's cool. Cool. But that's what the movie has to offer you. Yeah. Um, shall we render a verdict? I think we shall. What do you say, Arthur? Shelf or trash? That's the verdict choices, by the way, dear listener. I think I am, man. I, I, I'm going to go trash, light trash. I think is where we're in land with this one. I, 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 I man, I am, I am a sucker uh, for that production design uh, and and those practical ghosts, but I think it's just too messy, and I, I would rather have the original. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Arthur. I mean, th- that house is as cool as say the the ex machina house. Like it's one of the cooler movie houses that I think you're likely to see from a major production. But it's, yeah, it is what it is. It's, it's dumb. It should live on streaming. That's sort of a good home for this movie yeah. because it's, it's not really worth revisiting unless you're specifically thinking, Hey, what were the horror movies that came out the uh, right after nine 11? What was that like? That is sort of all this movie is good for. Unfortunately. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe you should read that Thomas Pynchon book, The Bleeding Edge, which is about New York pre and post 9-11. That's probably, if you really want something about that, that's where you should go to. This movie's, you know, it's got a ghost with a cage on their head. That's cool. Dustin, what about you? Are you going to save this from the trash? As much as I love the idea of Hellraiser's Lament configuration as a house, as architecture, mm-hmm. I'm also going to say trash. Ghost, I, ghost I, Jurassic Park just can't, can't, do can't it land it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good and it's fun, uh, but no, I wouldn't own it. And won't own it. So there you go. Um, those are our thoughts, dear listener. Hey, Arthur, can you tell us how they can be part of the conversation via the magical means known as social media? Uh, certainly. You can connect with us online on Twitter at Good Trash Media if you feel so brave as to do so. Uh, you can hit us up with some long form content at GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com. Uh, as always, you can like, rate, review on uh, iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. And, uh, I think that's about all. Uh, if you are on Twitter and you find us, then go listen to our friends, The Praise Down and uh, the, the Will of Randy and uh, the Bad Girls Die First. They all put out really great content. Go uh, give them a listen as well. All right. Thank you very much for that, Arthur. Um, can you also then tell us what's next? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm calling a little bit of an audible here <gasps> because I think there is one remake that we do have to talk about from the 2000s, and it wasn't streaming it's not streaming, but I, I, I think we'll buy it and watch it. Uh, because next week, we take a look at Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Whoa! Oh! All right, then. Yeah, hey, that's cool. Hey, hell yeah. I I am so glad. I Look, I was very excited to watch the Ryan Reynolds Amityville horror. I kind of was. 
Oh, Mostly, it still may be on the docket, but we'll talk. We'll talk. I okay. All right. I I'm excited about this. Yeah, we have to talk about this remake. It is. <sighs> yeah. I mean, we talked about it, uh, in this very episode. Yeah, it is sort of a huge monumental moment in horror remakes. It is. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the aughts remake of in a horror genre that has had a lasting effect. I think. Oh, for sure. Um, not just Zack Snyder's career, but really, I mean, along with Twenty Eight Days Later, is a lot to do yeah. with zombies coming yep. back. So uh, that, that's it. All wow. right, very cool. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. Oh, wow. Uh, 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 uh. I'm not afraid. 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 I'm not afraid.